What is up, podcast listeners? Thank you for giving me a few moments of your day to listen to this podcast. This is the Matt Baxter Show. I'm your host, Matt Baxter, and this podcast is about purpose, passion, and calling. Super stoked to have you as a listener because we're going to dive into some awesome, intense stories about people who are going through this journey of this thing called life, and we're all just figuring this out together. But seriously, you're giving me a little bit of your time, and I want to make sure it's valuable and worthwhile. So have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was getting this podcast off the ground, we first started as the Wedgecast, evolved into the Matt Baxter Show. There was a lot of questions that we had, like, how do I record an episode? How do I get my show in all the different places like Spotify, Apple Music, Anchor, Zencaster, all these different places. And yet it just seemed very, very complicated. But the simple thing for us as we began to navigate the waters is the answer to every single one of these questions, questions excuse me, was really simple. It's Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free. Yeah, free. And it's ridiculously easy to use. And now Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise in your podcast. That means you can get paid podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now. Yeah, making money. Okay, it's sweet. It's easy. It's not a big cheap plug on an ad, but it's just simple and easy to use. So for us, it's one of the best parts about it is we can do it entirely remote or in studio. So you can record, you've got that really, really high, you know, high in the sky person that you're going to have as a guest on your podcast. You got to do it remote. Anchor is easy to use. You got people who are willing to come to your studio, your house, your office, wherever you're recording it. Boom. Anchor. Love it. Simple, easy, simple and easy to use. So if you ever want to start a podcast, make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start. Join me in the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. Can't wait to hear your podcast. What's up? What's up, Wedgecast listeners? This episode of the podcast, I'm hanging out with Rick Shermer. He is the CEO and founder of Viral Brand. They're doing influential marketing, digital marketing, and they are just changing the game when it comes to you want to build a badass, awesome, sweet brand. They can do some really, really cool work in that, in that sense. I got a chance to hang out with Rick, his beautiful wife, his friend, Garrett Graveson, Ryan Millsap, and just some awesome people in the Atlanta area. And we just had an absolute blast. And that's what uh, put a little fire under our belly to start a podcast together. And uh, this has just been an absolute blast hanging out with him. So if you're interested in digital marketing, viral brand presence, or basically how to have your own brand online, your company's brand online, this is an episode that's worth listening to. He's done some behind the scenes work with the Passion of the Christ film when that came out, Chronicles of Narnia, and just, he's just phenomenal. So listen to this episode, get a little fired up. Stay tuned. We are live. It's official. We're here. <laughs> hey, I'm, I, I feel official. I've, I've never felt official my whole life, but now I feel very official. Out of all you the things you've it. done, in, out of all the things you've done in front of camera, this is the moment you feel the most official. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I don't think I've ever had anybody ever tell me that I was official. So I'm like, I'm just feeling, feeling That's this it. moment, you know. That, this is the moment. Cool. All right. Well, hey, Rick, I'm uh, I'm so stoked to have you on the show. Thanks for being here. Right on, man. Well, it is an honor. I'm so excited to be here. We're, uh, you know, it's a, anytime I ever get to step away from my computer and mundane work and actually just get to have fun and sip a coffee in the name of uh, promotion and podcasting and furthering other people's journeys. Um, yay. 
<laughs> That's a win-win for everybody. Love that. So <laughs> it's a triple win, baby. <laughs> Rick, so you are uh, you're 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 all over you're all over online. We uh, we originally met in Atlanta, hanging out with Gigi. Went out to a nice steak dinner with Gigi and Ryan Millsap. I got to meet your beautiful wife. Best time and, ever. <laughs> and now we're podcasting together. I mean, life comes. That full was pretty much. A, I will say that was a legendary night, and you guys are a legendary crew. So you know, we were honored. It was right before Christmas. I will admit, I, I did, was moving a little slow the next day. <laughs> yeah, I won't we won't uh... say exactly why, but I was moving a little slow. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> Love that. So, 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 Rick. Now that we've uh, gotten the, having a good time out of the way, we're going to continue it uh, with this conversation. But why, why don't you give a little oh, now, bit of your background, now, now, man? Now it's just going to be getting. Now it's just going to get better, bro. Oh, I know, I know. We're 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 <laughs> the bringing good times are just starting to roll. <laughs> we're bringing friendship and work together. It's too good. So. So give I me your background, it. man. I mean, I, I can I can obviously pull from online. You're all over the place, Instagram, social media. You guys, you, oh, your dude. business is just killing it. But give me the background from your, your side of view. Thanks, bro. Well, you know, um, yeah, so, I mean, I, I started, um, you know, I, I, you know, growing up, I loved, you know, I loved doing, I, I guess I loved just kind of marketing. I don't even know. I didn't really know it at the time. And then went to college and then um got it was a biology major double major and political science came later started working on a political campaign and then um thought i wanted to go into politics so then i became pre-law that's kind of how the poli-sci thing kind of emerged and then i realized i didn't like politics at all um i actually just like campaigns and then so <laughs> i decided not to go to law school and go into politics i actually was thank god um, I decided instead to get my MBA and go to work for the Walt Disney Company and, um, you know, get to have an awesome experience there learning how to do branding campaigns from the best of the best. And that's what I did. So started doing that. And then I, um, you kind of miss the grassroots nature of political campaigns after being at Disney for about five years. And I remembered, you know, this is about the time you know, 2002, when, you know, I started my career in 97. It makes me sound old, but I mean, I feel like I'm like 25. <laughs> Seriously, I'm man, like, you're, you're like 42. I'm like going, you're dating oh my yourself. E- easy. I know. <laughs> Crazy. I know. Right. It was so, it's so funny. I'm like, you know, it's, it's weird. Like being 40, you know, about 43 years old now, I guess now. And I basically had a, uh, a blast of a career being on the front end of influencer, social media marketing, digital marketing, viral marketing and it was just a blast you know so in those early days we were just experimenting experimenting and i've been doing it ever since so we've we've had a blast i left disney and started working with influencers our team um before my old company we launched the passion of the christ that was the first big validator of our style of marketing because you know we made almost a billion dollars worldwide with no studio behind it um and then we launched the chronicles of narnia and then we launched polar express a bunch of big mainstream movies. And then I started wanting to, we launched The Purge, we launched Food Inc., we launched The Cove, all using viral strategies and influencers and all that good stuff and data. And so we started having a blast of working with brands, Coca-Cola and uh, Chick-fil-A and a bunch of other cool people too. And it's just been a wild journey and super cool. It's finally, you know, my whole career, I feel like I've always been at the kids' table because you know viral marketing and influencer marketing and social media was all sort of like experimental you know when when i when i was starting my career so so now you know the the you know the 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 i guess the um 
at a boiling point or a tipping point where it's been fully accepted and not only accepted, but admired as a strategy for launching brands. So started a new agency. My last company got acquired, happy to say, and we started a new Yeah, agency. congratulations on that. That's Thank exciting. Thank you, bro. Oh man, that's like a, it's a stressor, bro, when you're like launching a tech company. So we, we had the first influencer marketing platform um, really ever. We're like, there's only two that I even knew of at the time. Um, ours, which was called Partners Hub, and another one that was called BlogFrog. And back in the 2009, when we really started building the platform, and um, BlogFrog was acquired and became Tap Influence. Our company was acquired and by a big data company that I helped start and spent a few years doing that and launched this new company, Viral Brand, that we that I have now, which is a blast, helping brands get viral, which is couldn't have, you know, I wake up every day. You asked earlier about, you know, what you what gets you out of bed in the morning. And it's just like, man, it is so fun to work with brands that have meaning and have, you know, the ability to be viral in their communities because people are genuinely excited about them and want to share. You know, that's the thing that's super cool for me is, you know, I feel so much purpose in the day in that, you know, to help people get the, get the word out about their brands that are really working specifically brands that are working to make a positive difference in people's lives. Well, that's it. Podcast done. You wrapped it all up in one. Podcast man. done. <laughs> oh, I ruined the whole thing. No, no, it was good, man. It's well, I do. No. I, I know how. I know how. I know how content is. I know, like, you look at like the, you look at the your your metrics, and you realize that like, yeah, you know, like pretty much eighty five percent of your audience drops in the first three minutes. So you got to get it all out there. <laughs> so you just you just nailed it. <laughs> no, I love it. No, that, it's killer. So I, I got. I want to go back on something real quick. So when you started the idea of. Uh, when you were starting to work with different brands, so define this for me for a little bit, just kind of under help me walk into this world some. Were you helping build brands or were you helping mainly work with established brands and help them set the tone of where they were going or re rebranding or any number of things? So I guess the question there is, was it brands that wanted to become brands or already existing brands that needed to be worked with, reshaped, or oh. any number of different things? Both. Yeah, the the answer is both. So there's a few different types of companies, right, and clients that we that we have and I've worked with over the years. There's emerging brands, brands that are, you know, have started. There's brands that are just brand new. And I'd also put them in the same category as emerging because they're just going to, you know, we're helping them, we're branding it and coming up with the brand. So naming and branding uh, happens, you know, a lot of people when you say branding, they just kind of think logos and taglines and stuff like that, which is a lot more complex than that. But I will say, that piece is my favorite. <laughs> I just love it. I love, love that. I just happen to have a knack for it. So, um, and stuff comes to me pretty fast. So it's, it's one of my favorite things to do. And I, it's kind of a skill I acquired and learned when I was at Disney um, from one of my mentors. And I guess you just kind of have it or you don't, but I got trained that way and got, got a lot of confidence and just kind of had started having fun with it. Um, the other thing is, is um, helping a current brand get more viral so like so you know the 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 so there's kind of two sides of it and I'll, I'll tell you like from a real tactical like actually even the most simplistic view is you know if you remember in high school you you to high school yeah okay my wife was homeschooled so i have to ask yeah 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 <laughs> she was, can, she was so homeschooled. All- all homeschool jokes are off the table and we can't do any of that or anything like that. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, she, she wouldn't even mind because she makes some of those homeschool jokes anyway, but uh, more than I do. But yeah, you're right. It's okay if she says the homeschool jokes. Yeah, you know, yeah, we can't, we can't. 
she also grew up in trailer parks in Georgia, so she she was actually uh, we're not allowed to make any of those kind of jokes either. Good, good. So we <laughs> got to stay. Can. She stay can. Stay clear. Stay clear. Yeah, yeah. Of course, she can. It's all good. <laughs> yeah. So, but anyway, so we're um, so we so yeah so so I'll say this in the most easy way possible. You know, when you're building a brand, whether you've got a huge brand or a small brand, whatever kind of brand, it's still about getting your brand popular right so the popularity of your brand so go back to the high school analogy real fast popular kids in high school popular guys or girls either way get dates easier right they just do if you're popular you get a date pretty easy if you're a guy like you have to ask girls out you know probably maybe two girls out you're gonna get a date right if you're not popular you might have to ask 10 girls out 20 maybe 30. so so the concept there is a popular brand also get sales easier. So the question is, is how do you get a popular brand? How does your brand get street cred? And so back in the 80s, in the old days, right, the, and, and before, brands, you know, who were at scale and all over the country, the only way that they could actually get popular was if they bought tons of ads. So they would buy, you know, ads and billboards and they'd buy, you know, scatter TV and they'd be everywhere. And so the only people who could even afford that would be major brands like McDonald's and, and whatnot, right? I'm By the way, I didn't lose you, did I? No, no, okay, not at good. all. I'm tracking. Yeah, yeah, I'm tracking with you. My it's wife buzz my <laughs> wife buzzed in. My wife buzzed in when we're when I was on my rant. So I just double check and make sure. <laughs> no, no, I'm tra I'm tracking. Probably <laughs> like, Rick, be quiet. You're talking too much. I'm like, I'm on a podcast, babe. That's what I'm supposed to be doing. <laughs> this is what I'm here for. <laughs> one time in my whole day I get to talk a lot and I get in trouble. <laughs> no, it's good. I love it. So, I love it. So 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 popular brand so so at the end of the day, you know, the old school model didn't even work that great anyway. But the new school model is this. You get popular through targeting certain communities and getting influencers of those communities, key influencers at scale, to share for you. Because you know, I'm sure you probably saw the Netflix documentary Fire Festival, right? Yeah. But the Fire yeah. Festival. Yep. Yeah. So it's like, look, I mean that's what we do. It's like, you know, the Fire Festival is a great marketing campaign. This guy's brilliant. They did a really amazing job. Um, hats off to them. But the um, you know, unfortunately the people on the execution side couldn't deliver a good festival, but you know, that didn't have anything to do with the marketing guys. The marketing guys did a great job. So, you know, getting popular is different now. You know, we don't do that through just buying a bunch of ads. You do that through influencers and influencers who have street cred in their communities and are legit leaders. And when they get, when you get their endorsements, people really listen. The popular kids in high school, when, when they endorse you and you come into a high school, you're all of a sudden cool. You know, it's not—it's not rocket science. It's pretty simple, to be honest. Yeah, the, the, mo the, the model—the model doesn't change a ton, even from early high school days. It's pretty straight. It yeah. really doesn't change at all. It's actually like the only thing that changed is back in the old school days. They, you know, marketers didn't have the ability to put any scale on that, but now we do, right? Because of tech and so and social media, and because of blogs and because of YouTube and because of social media in general. So. Now there's a scale. Now it took, you know, it didn't take long for us to achieve success with that. We did, we, you know, our team launched the passion of the crisis and made almost a billion dollars. So, you know, worldwide. So, you know, there wasn't a lot of traditional marketing that went behind that, that success, you know, it was all through influencers specifically in the whole faith-based space and, you know, in certain 
areas like that. But but the but the but but the model worked. It took a long time for it to hit, you know, start to get accepted. And so now, and here we are in 2019. It's just now, you know, getting accepted. And I've spent, you know, my whole career, 20 years almost, um, you know, doing this. So it's been a blast, and it's super super fun now to be in the zone where, you know, the space is, you know, completely legitimized. And that's why, what would you call me earlier? Official? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think we, uh, we mutually agreed <laughs> that, me official. that official is it. <laughs> <laughs> so Love yeah, that. so that's, that's kind of like the, that's the, that's the spiel, man. We're, we're having a blast. We couldn't have any more fun doing what we do. So, so where did you find, and maybe this is a natural thing, but where did you come up with the vision for, when you've got a brand that needs to be paired or created and tagged along with different influencers. I mean, I don't want you to dive too far into the secret sauce of what you do, but like, where did that vision come from? No, I mean, I'm pretty transparent. I mean, like the, the, the reality is I think any brand, you know, that, that is out there just about, um, you know, is for, you know, there's two ways of looking at things. There's, you know, the traditional way of looking at things, which is, and I'm not saying that this doesn't count at all. It does. Uh, is demographics, age, income, zip code, you know, what people are, right? But when it comes to viral marketing, what's more important is what people love. So the the thing that we care about is what people love and they like to do and they what they care about. We care about golfing, we care about boating, we care about going to church, we care about fashion, we care about makeup, we care about stuff like that, right? So we care about those things in our lives, and that's the kind of thing that we share on social media. When it comes to social media, we don't just share, you know, who we are and how much money we make and what our zip code is and, you know, what kind of car we drive. Well, maybe car, but, but, the, but you, you, you feel me? Yeah, I get it. So, 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 so every brand should think, okay, if I want to get viral and I want people to share about my brand, I have to reach people on a heart level, what they care about, who they are, what they're interested in. And so that's what we call in the marketing, like kind of MBA world, which by the way, I get my MBA at Pepperdine um, here in Malibu, California, which everybody says, wow, amazing uh, view. Like nobody <laughs> ever says amazing academics. Yeah. Wait, you had a <laughs> nice, was a great you had, you had a nice they, view. They really do. Study much. <laughs> they really, no, they really are. It really is a great MBA program, but it is really funny when everybody says nice view and you're like, Dang it, would somebody please just say nice academics? Yeah, tell me I study hard. <laughs> like, I did kind of work hard. Yeah, I know. I've worked my ass off, and people are like, nice view. I'm like, what? Come on, man. <laughs> but anyway, sorry. I had to take a little divert there. But It's good. But it's yeah, good. so we're, you know, we, we you know, it, it, it's it's a really, you know, it's it's fun. I think that's why, why like I mentioned earlier about what, what, what makes our marketing style so fun is because we get to work with brands that matter and that to think about people on that level on a care level what people love and so when you reach people with social media and you reach influencers and you get them to organically share or you know create a really cool program where you've got a lot of influencers sharing it's because they love the product and so you know you just got to think about any product and say what community of people, what tribe of people are going to love this product? And that's how we start every campaign. Like, who loves this? Who loves this product? And that's what we will either ask the client that or we'll try to figure that out. And so we may find two or three different groups of people that love the product and decide to reach influencers in those groups and start our campaign. 
So one of the best parts about my job as a podcast host is I basically get to ask for a bunch of free advice without people really knowing it. So uh, <laughs> this is going to be this is going to be my cards on the table of that. So uh, say hy- say hypothetically you're talking to a podcast host that also has a scaling tech startup venture. What would you say is the single like the one piece of advice that that person should have building a brand? And what would you say is the one biggest like never do here's like my only thing you should absolutely not do uh, a piece of advice to steer steer clear from. Um, okay. First of all, am I even on the podcast right now? Did you just, t- did you just schedule this to get a, a free consult? <laughs> yeah, and then exactly. like, this isn't even a podcast. <laughs> Cause that's super clever. I was like, dang, that's clever. I'm going to start doing that. <laughs> Dude, that's that's the whole reason behind. This is probably my first reason, you know, first way of uh, totally owning that. I just bring a bunch of people on the show so I can get a bunch of free advice. That's it. Dude, I love it. I love it. That is freaking. No, no, there's you got you got too much good for to offer for me to for me to pull that trick. But maybe maybe I should pull up the next one. (laughs) Oh, dude, that's awesome, man. Well, okay, so so a couple things. First of all, um, you know, from a brand perspective, I think that from a for a brand that like. I think it's really really important for you to have be dead centered know your why you know know what like why you're doing what you're doing and i think that really comes across as you think through your vision your mission i start with every brand on that you know what's your vision what's your mission and it sounds cheesy because it's like everything you heard in business school you know over and over but the vision is so important for the brand because it's really saying like, hey, like the best example of a vision is to say, like, if you go back, you know, in the history books, JFK, you know, in the 19, I think in 1950 or something like that, said to, you know, America, in the speech, famous speech, that we're going to put a man on the moon in 10 years. And at the time, NASA had no idea, like they were kind of, you know, crapping their pants a little bit, going like, what did he just say? They had yeah, no idea exactly. how that was going to happen. They had no idea how that was going to happen. JFK just put the vision out there and said, hey, we're going to put the man on the moon in 10 years. And everybody, not because it's hard, because it's not because it's easy, because it's hard. And they, and, you know, guess what happened? Man got put on the moon through the Apollo space missions and, you know, the missions that came before it. So, so under, having a vision for where you're heading and having a big idea because people like to jump on board with brands that have big ideas. People don't like to just jump on board and share about and actually talk about brands that don't have big ideas. You know, it's like otherwise you're just any other product. So what's your big idea? What's your big vision? And your mission gets into how are you going to accomplish this big vision that you have? You get this crazy big vision, big ideas, the the mission really gets super specific into how. So in the case of the Man on the Moon thing, it's the Apollo space missions, right? There's like 10 different initiatives, or maybe there's 13 or 15. I can't remember how many Apollos there were, but there was a bunch. There's like 20, I don't know. Yeah. There's a movie called Apollo 13, so I know there's at least 13. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> we're, at least, we're at least at 13. So, <laughs> yeah, we're at least at 13. So, so, the, um, so the thing I think is really important is to have that big vision, that big idea, the thing that people can jump on board with. That's so big. That even matters for your employees because like you're, you know, who wants to go to work for a company that's not even cool? Like a, I'm going to work for a boring tech startup in Silicon Beach. Like no. Yeah, so I'm yeah. going to work for a really cool tech startup that's doing X, Y, and Z and something really cool. We're figuring out how to cure, you know, homelessness and, you know, in, in the world or, you know, something awesome you know so it's like go for something awesome go for you know get that vision put the air hose in it and make it big you know don't be afraid like put it out there and 
people will jump on board. Employees will jump on board. It's even more fun for investors to get on board. Investors, they watch Shark Tank. They don't want to jump on board with like bad ideas or boring ideas. They want to jump on board with the big idea. That's uh, that's one so, thing I've learned. We've uh, we've gone through. We we just finished up our seed capital around ourselves, and I've I've realized that people. You get people excited the moment they realize this step three, step four, step five. You know, what's the big picture of what you're about to do? That's when people really get excited. Yeah, if they want to buy if they look if investors and people want to buy a boring stock, they might, you know, buy, you know, some stock in General Electric. You right. know, or something <laughs> like that. It's like, hey, cool. If we're gonna stay boring, then like let's just stay boring and just buy some stock in GE, you know? It's like, you know, yeah. but if investors want to take take some risk on a tech startup, they want to be they want to buy you know into a cool tech startup like yours because it's got a big idea. So that's so that's one that that's that's kind of like the the core piece. The big no no uh, that you asked about. Um, that's a really good question. I think that the probably the biggest no no I think of that just comes to mind is being transactional versus relational so like it's the thing that drives me the most crazy is that you know the world of viral and social media the people who are so transactional just really bum me out because nobody's ever going to want to share about a brand that's just so transactional so one of the promises this promises in peril digital marketing right one of the promises is like all the world of social and influence and and sharing and you know awesome things being discovered a lot faster and easier and things going viral and being viral that's amazing but there's also you know ability to get hyper specific in your targeting and super transactional you watch something like billy jean marketing and a lot of these platforms that are out there or these uh guys are out there teaching people how to do digital marketing and leveraging powerful platforms like facebook and google and you know other display ads and stuff like that well they can start to get pretty transactional because they realize that what we do too, by the way, we do we do paid ads. So I'm not saying we don't do paid ads. We actually do. We do both. We do organic and, and paid. So those two things work really powerfully together. But a lot of people just get straight into paid ads and they say, hey, look, all we care about are conversions. So we want to sell, let's just pretend we're selling belts just because they happen to be looking at a belt. So we're going to sell belts and we aren't developing a brand at all. We're just going to develop this belt and we're going to create a, a landing page for it. We're going to say it's the world's best belt. We don't have anything to really back it up. We're going to create a landing page. And we're going to sell this belt for, you know, uh, 50 bucks. And we know that for every, we, we can through science, the science of actually doing this, we can actually just start to run Facebook ads and figure out our cost per acquisition of this belt is probably going to be, you know, $22. And we're going to charge 50. So we're going to make, you know, $28 per belt. We're going to try to work to lower our CPA or CAC, and the more we get that done, the cheaper the cost of acquisition is, and then we are going to make more money selling these belts. And they don't even bother creating a brand because they're just looking at it super transactionally. Now, the problem is, is nobody really knows about that belt. There's no real word of mouth about that belt. Maybe the, the belt customers are starting to talk about it a little bit, but there's certainly no scale to it. And so you've missed out on a huge piece, which is the influence piece. Now, the influence piece, what that says, going back to my analogy earlier, is popular guys or popular girls in high school get dates easier. The more popular that belt is, the less costly that conversion is going to be. You tracking with me? I'm tracking with you. I'm with you. 
So if if that belt was already popular and you had an influence campaign going simultaneous with the, the paid campaign, then naturally and organically we're starting to retarget the conversation of all these people sharing in social shares. Then our cost for acquisition and what we're spending to get those those conversions online with online sales drops. And on top of that, you've got a brand that's out there on the internet and SEO and and sharing and like you can Google it and people will be like, hey, well, I want to hear about that bell. If you didn't do any influence work or no PR work, you wouldn't know at all. You Google it and you know ads disappear. You leave no footprint. But if you had 100 bloggers talking about how awesome this belt was and influencers and social media influencers and people on Twitter and, you know, et cetera, then there would be a big footprint. There'd be a wake. So the two things are both important. And that kind of gets back to old school 1980s stuff where back in the 80s and before it was all about before our time, it was actually about PR and ads. Now it's about, you know, we still do paid ads that are different and we still do earned media, which is, you know, old school PR but which is influence, right? So it's just a new, it's a new model, new day. Yeah. Love it. No, that's fantastic. So I'm going to, I'm going to totally switch gears on a question because I want to make sure you know that you're actually on a podcast and not just giving free advice, but uh, throughout the, uh, (laughs) throughout the, throughout the course of your career, what would you say has been one of the scariest moments for you? Like, what would you say you've kind of been in this like, holy shit, uh, whether it's exciting or just like the biggest thing that you've learned throughout the course of your career? Man, that's a good question. Um, you know what? I think the most exciting moment, um, you know, is when, you know, I think that probably um, it was a little scary because when we were working on The Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe way back when, um, we were launching that, and I remember they didn't want us to be too covert. I don't know if you know that whole story. Do you know The Lion, Witch, and Wardrobe? Yeah, I do. Yep. C.S. Lewis. Um, okay, so... So there's a character named Aslan, and Aslan, you know, C.S. Lewis wrote, had a lot of, there's a lot of comparisons to Jesus, you know, and so we did a big campaign to the faith community, but Disney didn't want to go too overt with that. They didn't want to, you know, us to like turn off the more secular audience, but we wanted to reach the faith-based market, and we wanted to um, make sure that the faith-based market all mobilized, knew about it, but we didn't want to turn off people in the secular market. Well, you know, you work really hard in these campaigns and, you know, we work probably probably 10 hours a day just on that one campaign for a year and a half, like 18 months and you know, probably more than 10 hours a day. And so we, we just cranked on that. I remember when the front page of USA Today um, came out or the, the, news, the paper came out and it said, is that lion king of kings? And it had a huge picture of Aslan on the front of it. And it was a whole article about our campaign. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember thinking, I remember thinking, wow, that's cool that our campaign, it wasn't just the movie, it was our campaign. It was on the front page of the, you know, so I mean? knowing, knowing, knowing your guidelines, were you guys high-fiving, popping champagne? Or were you guys thinking, what the like, crap? Yeah. Okay. I was thinking Both. like, you my gotta first, be a yeah, my first, too. That's, that's, when, that's when you asked that question in such a way that's what popped in my head because I was super excited and super scared at the same time. Cause I was like, oh no, cat's definitely out of the bag. Cause we were supposed to be, you know, discreet. 
<laughs> and you know, and and here we are, like the front page. Now our campaign's on the front page of USA Today. And back then, you know, USA Today was more red magazine, you know, more red newspaper than it probably is today because you don't read papers as much. But um, or at all, I haven't read a newspaper in 15 years. But but the but yeah, so it was like I remembered. In fact, I still have that clipping um that I I clipped that out and put it on a on a dry mounted on a board. Um, and, you know, held on to that because it was like a, like one of those moments, but, you know, it's cool. They're, you know, exciting. They're talking the whole front page, you know, news about my marketing campaign, but at the same time, oh man, what's Disney going to say? Now, luckily Disney wasn't mad, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's a, a huge, huge sigh of relief, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I was totally, I was totally, I was totally freaked out. I was like kind of, I was kind of stressing. And I was like, but we, um, we had a, we had a really fun time, um, really fun time in that campaign. And when the movie came out and did really well, um, we were elated because my shipping budget was also pretty crazy on that movie. And I knew if the movie did well, my shipping budget sins would be forgiven. So shipping movie <laughs> posters and stuff like yeah, that. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and the awesome. movie did great. So we're, we're lucky. Yeah, that's great. Cool. Um, so this question, since I think you, you already hit the nail on the head with, uh, the getting out of bed question. So I got one that's going to be along the same lines. We're going to switch it up just a touch. All right. You ready? Yep. 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 So, so in the few times that we have had the chance to spend some time together and obviously on this podcast, but one of the things that I looked up and I was pretty fired up to have you on the show is you clearly have figured out a unique way to like find joy and just get fired up fired up about what you're doing. Like you and your wife are just amazing people and you guys are living this really, really awesome life, but yet it's purposeful. So for somebody who's stepping into their career or no matter what age they are, but just in this, like, I want to one, have a job, but yet to have it be a purposeful job. What, what advice would you say you have for them or how have you guys chosen to live that life that ultimately other people could step into themselves? You know what? Um, I think the number one thing really to do is, as scary as it might be, is you got to follow your heart and do what you love. You know, I think that that's a really hard thing. You know, it really takes stepping out in faith and stepping out on the plank. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like, you got to like start walking. I don't know if you remember the old Indiana Jones movie where like, you know, Indiana starts walking across that bridge that was invisible. You know, I think that it's, I think that you have to start stepping out but you know it's it's a you know old adage slash cliche but it says you know people will um you know the if if you do what you love you'll never work a day in your life you know i think that that's the key you know is doing what you love and finding what you love if you haven't found it yet you know now in your 20s i feel like you know that's a hard track because you know you might not know what you love yet some people are real lucky. They're like, they're like, Hey, I want to be a doctor. And I'm 12. And they want to be a doctor. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like, you, my you uncle, clearly didn't end up becoming a lawyer. So obviously that was, the yeah, same I thing. definitely, <laughs> definitely did not. I definitely did not become a lawyer. Um, but my uncle, you know, super, uh, you know, became, you know, he was, when I was a kid, he used to play this old board game called risk. It was like a military strategy game. And he, you know, hey, I'm young, I'm young, but I'm not young enough for risk not to be a part of the game. I, I still know that. Yeah, you remember that? <laughs> yeah, you remember of course. That? I was a big risk. Yeah, player. still, so, still am. <laughs> yeah, so he, yeah, so he had this, he had this, you know, he played risk, and you know, he went up to go, you know, went into the military and the air force, and then wound up becoming um, a war game planner. 
And wow. it's just like, how does that happen? You know, you know, since he was like 12 years old, that he wanted to play in war games. And like, here he is, you know, playing Risk and playing in war games, you know, and, and you know, for the military. And that's crazy. So, um, you know, some people just figure that out early. Some people, it's more of a journey. You know, you've got to go through. But I think that sometimes this process of elimination, you start, start trying stuff. But I think that, you know, figuring out and starting to do stuff you love and that you want to do is super, super important. So that's, that's, that would be my biggest piece of advice. I think that for Rachel, you know, she, you know, loves when I first met her, you know, she had, she was reading a book called You Can Heal Your Life. And she was about, you know, empowering herself and helping empower other women. And I had my social media team do some analysis on her when we first met. I was like, hey, why don't you guys analyze her, you know, her social presence? And I'm like, and what we discovered pretty fast was she had a pretty significant following, but, and she was very, very focused in talking back to people, um, in helping people and saying positive things to people, the girls that were following her. So we developed um, the McCord List, which is a brand for her, and it's, it's a women's empowerment community and a blog, she has a blog and she has, you know, people get together here in LA and group group events and meetings with women. And so, you know, she, she made a career out of it. You know, she made it like a whole organization, the McCord List, that was helping girls. It was like, you know, that's her kind of nonprofit side. She's got a really cool product line she's launching called Not Basic, and she's a, uh, which is like a hair accessory line, really cool. And, um, you know, she's a model. And so we've, she works with a bunch of brands and we get to do a bunch of fun stuff. But I think that, you know, just being able to stay focused and helping, you know, stay focused on your why and helping people um, is a big one for her. It may not be the same for everybody, but I think if you're really focused on just doing what you love, you'll, you really truly never will work a day in your life. Love it. That's phenomenal. Yeah, that's great. Cool, man. Well, hey, uh, I want to say thank you for uh, being a guest on the show, but I also want to give you give you a place. Is there any anything else you want to add or tack on towards the end of this? No, that, dude, that's it, man. It was great, great talking to you. We're super. I was super excited to be on, and look forward to seeing you back next time we're in the ATL. <laughs> yeah, baby. <laughs> that's <laughs> you awesome. You get out to LA and come hang with us. I know. I love it. It'd <laughs> be fun. Cool, man. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, and uh, until next time. You got it, my brother. Thanks, man.